We have a bit of a mixed bag today, and to start us off, a story simply titled Ghosts. Let me start by saying that I'm one of those I have to see it to believe it kind of people. But my parents tell me that when I was very young, I used to see ghosts. They told me it got to the point I was so scared, I asked them to go away until I was 30. I don't remember any of this, so I just assumed I had a very vivid imagination. But, according to my parents, it worked, as the ghosts did go away. Recently, I turned 30, and the ghosts have come back. One night, I couldn't sleep and was just lying there, wide awake. After a while, I got up to use the bathroom. As I was passing through the kitchen, on my way back to my bedroom, I heard the floor creak. I stopped, assuming my flatmate had been standing in the dark for whatever reason. But when I turned around, it wasn't my flatmate, but it was a person, a person made of darkness, a shadow in the shape of a person, about a foot shorter than me and quite large. I just stood there, looking at it. Then, it walked around me, meaning it could see me. I turned to watch as it headed toward the stove. And then, it vanished. I couldn't get to sleep after that. I spent the rest of the night wide awake, thinking about what I saw. Since then, there's been other things. The TV will turn on in the night, and sometimes, while I'm reading in bed, the lamp will turn off. After all these years, I finally know the truth. Ghosts are real. Two short stories now, 
about service technicians. Yesterday, I had a tech at my house. I'd called him to fix my heating pump, which is in the basement. After a while, my dog needed to go outside. Okay, let's go. When I was on my way back, I could see the tech's white van still parked in my driveway. But now, there was a second black van behind it. As I got nearer, I saw a guy get out of the black van. I could see him very clearly. He was wearing jeans, a black jacket and a black baseball cap. He was thin and appeared to be in his mid-twenties. I watched as he walked to the exterior door that led to the basement. He opened it, went in, then closed the door behind him. I assumed the tech I called was having trouble fixing the heater, so he'd called this other guy to help him. I glanced down at my dog for no more than a second or two, then looked back up at my house. What the hell? There was no black van in the driveway, just the white one. It simply wasn't possible for anyone to have driven that van away in those couple of seconds. I walked over to the basement door, then went down the stairs. The tech was adamant that he'd been working there alone. He said he didn't even know anyone who owned a black van. I'm a service tech, and I work in businesses and private homes. Some years ago, I had a work order for a local residence to service their water softener. I arrived and met the owner. Oh, hi. It's round the back. As I worked, I could hear, I assumed, the woman's husband, working in a backyard woodshop, whistling as he worked. I finished up about half an hour later and wrote up the billing invoice. Then, I walked over to the wood shop to explain it to him.
As I opened the door, it suddenly went quiet. I peeked inside. Hello? It was empty and dark. I turned on the light. There was no one in there, and there was no back door for anyone to have left through. I walked over to the back door. All done. I mentioned to her that I was going to explain the repair to her husband, but he left his shop before I could see him. All the colour drained from her face. No, you're mistaken. My husband isn't here. I said, Well, someone was working in the wood shop. Working in whistling. The woman asked me if I remembered what he was whistling. I'd been listening to it for about half an hour. Yeah, it was Star Wars. She began to tear up and told me her husband passed away a few weeks back. She'd heard him whistle that tune many times over the years, especially when he was working in his wood shop. Strange things, it seems, can happen any time, any place. I was driving to work one morning and had stopped at a roundabout. Someone had rear-ended me. I got out of my car. and was surprised by what I saw. There was no damage at all to either car. I'm so sorry, I didn't see you. So there was no need to exchange details. Just seconds after getting back into my car, I looked in the rear-view mirror, and the woman who ran into me was gone. I turned in my seat to get a better look, and behind me was a totally different car. There was really nowhere for this woman to have gone, but somehow she disappeared. And now, a 30-something-year-old man was sitting behind me in a completely different car. I didn't know what to make of this, but I couldn't sit there thinking about it for too long. I took off through the roundabout and continued straight 
with the guy in the car behind me right on my bumper. We continued like that for a while, with the guy tailgating me, but I refused to go any faster than the speed limit. We came to a traffic light and stopped. I looked into my rear view again and watched as the guy behind me grinned. An abnormally wide horror movie grin, like from ear to ear. Then the car behind me suddenly moved into another lane. But it wasn't driven into the lane. It moved sideways, like it was grabbed by a giant invisible hand and dragged horizontally across the road and placed between two other vehicles. As I quietly freaked out, the guy kept looking at me, and worse, he kept smiling, that impossible smile. Then the light turned green. I kept going straight, and thankfully the guy turned the corner. I've never experienced anything like that before, and I genuinely hope nothing like it ever happens again. This next one is quite a long story, titled 12 Pickering Trail. Following a long illness, Frank Millicum died in his home and his family took it hard. Months went by and their grief persisted. Janet Millican decided her two children would be unable to heal in a place that constantly reminded them of their loss. So she started looking for a new home, and a few months later, they moved into a stately four-bedroom colonial in Thornton, a small town outside Philadelphia. Janet was proud of her new home. It sat at the apex of a cul-de-sac in a quiet, affluent subdivision, a suburban Arcadia where residents kept their doors unlocked and their lawns flawless. A few days after moving in, Janet introduced herself to a neighbour. The woman welcomed Janet to the neighbourhood, then said... We were all surprised when you bought it. Then she went back inside her house, leaving the comment hanging. On Halloween night, Janet was standing on her front steps when a group of girls in costumes came past her house. This is where it happened, said one of the girls. Then they kept walking without stopping for candy. Janet was growing increasingly anxious and the family began experiencing 
A series of strange, unsettling events that defied easy explanation. One afternoon, Janet was visiting her sister, Jill, a few towns over, when she received a call from her son, Ryan. Mom, please, come home. He said he was doing homework in the kitchen when he felt someone breathing on his neck. He turned round and saw the silhouette of a man disappear down the hallway. Janet began having a recurring dream. She was at the family's old vacation home on the shore of a lake near Yosemite National Park. Her husband was there. He'd say, Where have you been? I've been looking for you. And Janet would reply, If I knew you were coming back, I never would have moved. One afternoon, Ryan was in the kitchen when a sharpie rolled across the counter by itself. Not long after that incident, Janet's daughter Kendra was home alone one day, soaking in a hot bath. She said she started to feel uncomfortable, like there was someone else in the house. Then, the bathroom door swung open. Mom? Ryan? Eventually, she got up the nerve to get out of the tub. But there was no one else in the house. Janet tried to calm her children, but she was having unusual experiences herself. One night, she woke from a deep sleep with the distinct sensation that someone was poking her in the back. And back in California, after her husband's death, she would sometimes wake in the night to the sound of the printer in the home office. But as she went down the hallway to investigate, printer would stop. The final straw came late one night. Janet was woken by Ryan screaming. He'd been sleeping on the floor of his bedroom. For some reason, he preferred it to his bed. At first, he saw a dark shadow in the corner. Then, it stepped forward, and its eyes flashed green. When he rolled onto his back, 
he looked up at his digital clock radio. The time read 11.34, but as Ryan saw the display upside down, the digits read H-E-L-L. He woke his sister. Then they went into Janet's bedroom. Mom, we have to get out of this house. Janet didn't argue with them. They put their coats over their pajamas and piled into the minivan. The kids begged Janet to check into a hotel, but she told them no. They were letting their fear take over. We're going back. Janet resolved to find out what was going on. In the morning, she went next door. I need to know, what happened in my house? We thought you knew. The neighbor proceeded to tell Janet the story of the last family to live at number 12 Pickering Trail. The Coombulus family were good neighbors, though they did keep to themselves. They purchased the house in 1993, just after it was built, and raised three children there, two boys and a girl. But as time passed, the couple grew apart, and by the end of 2005, they were sleeping in separate rooms. Then, early one morning, the neighbors were woken. When the police arrived, they found Georgia and Konstantinos dead in the master bedroom. After a brief investigation, it was determined to be a murder-suicide. Janet was devastated. She had taken her children 3,000 miles across the country to escape a house haunted by death. But she had delivered them somewhere much worse. The only thing to do, she decided, was to move again. But that would take some time. In the meantime, something had to be done. One morning, while Ryan and Kendra were at school, Janet went into her bedroom and closed the door. She knelt on the floor at the foot of her bed with a rosary in her hands. At first, she felt timid. This is not your home. But her confidence grew. This was her house now. You're scaring me and my children. And she wanted this entity gone. Get out! Now! There was a very lengthy court case 
But the judge ruled in favour of the person who sold the house to Janet. He just didn't believe a house could be haunted, and Janet couldn't get the sale overturned. And after six long years, she was still living there. The activity had somewhat died down, but life was far from perfect. And from time to time, Janet could still feel the presence. She thought a little renovating might help and had the carpet replaced in the master bedroom. After the workers pulled up the old carpet, she went upstairs to look at the bare floor. In the middle of the floor was a patch of white paint. She assumed it had been applied to cover one of the bloodstains from the Kumbulas incident. Her memory went back to the day she'd knelt at the foot of her bed, gripping her rosary, as she asked the entity to leave her family alone. The patch of paint she noticed was exactly where she'd knelt. We have one more, a spooky little story titled Play With Us. And we'll see you next week. I babysat a 10-year-old boy in my neighbourhood. He was well behaved and the parents paid me well. One weekend, they asked if I'd babysit overnight from 6pm to 10am. They told me they'd pay double. How could I say no? Everything seemed fine. We had dinner and watched a little TV. Then I sent him to bed at 9.30. At around 10.45, I went to bed in the guest bedroom. After some time, I was woken by the door opening. Jaden? Is that you? There was no answer. Then, I felt someone sit on the edge of the bed. So, I sat up and opened my eyes. <gasps> it wasn't the little boy. I was babysitting, sitting together on the bed and staring at me with beady black eyes were two little girls. One looked to be about six 
the other, no older than ten. They both had short, curly, blonde hair and were wearing nightgowns. Play with us. I turned on the bedside lamp and the little girls vanished. But clearly visible at the edge of the bed were two indentations where they were sitting. It was some time before I was able to get back to sleep. When the parents came home, I told them what happened. Mid-story, the husband looked to his wife and said, See, I told you I didn't imagine it. He had been woken by these two girls himself, but his wife didn't believe him. Play with us. Play with us. Forever.